Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw in the Kintech studio. And it's a big Thursday show. Continued fallout from the Canucks acquisition of Philip Kronick. Yesterday we got a text, Sat, that was like, what? Canucks got Roenick? Roenick? I thought that guy retired. Jeremy Roenick. They want to go old school and trade it for one of Rick Tockett's old buddies. JR. Uh, yes. <laughs> one of his old... Uh, Did they take play together ever? They must have played at some point together. I'm going to right? check it out. I mean, In it Philly, have, I would imagine. I don't know. if it, I, Their timelines may have not quite lined up. Not quite, but let me check it out. Well, I mean, it only takes like a few seconds to figure <laughs> this stuff out. No, I mean, yeah. I mean... Uh, I don't think Tockett was playing for the Flyers in 2000. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, they were teammates. See, with the there Flyers? There we go. Back in 2001 and 2002. There you go. Ronick led the team in scoring. He had 67 points in 75 games. And Rick Tockett had two points in 14 games <laughs> that year for it. Uh, it was his last year in the National Hockey League. Uh, Jeremy Ronick. Um, one of the few 500 goal scorers that's not in the ho- Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. At least yet. Maybe if it was a nicer guy. I'm just kidding. Yes. I don't know. Uh, I mean. <laughs> is that is that what it is? Well. <laughs> Nobody's going to dispute you on that point. <laughs> uh, all right. Start the show by roasting Jeremy Roenick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Jeremy Roenick roast. Uh, but no, they got the other Roenick. Uh, Philip Roenick. Uh, yeah, is he's Czech. He's not American. Yeah. Uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. That. The big move yesterday. NHL trade deadline coverage is brought to you by Maui Jim Sunglasses. Born on the beaches of Hawaii, Maui Jim Sunglasses are designed with polarized plus two lenses that protect eyes from harmful rays and enhance the view. Try on a pair and see for yourself. So we're going to get to Ronick and what the Canucks look like with mm. him in the lineup and how they progress from here. Because we can yell and scream about the trade and how we don't like it, but it's not going to do anything. Trade's made, and they've made their decision on the pathway that they are going with forward. But yesterday, Sat, you did mention Mm -hmm. the Canucks do have a lot of other irons in the fire, and they do want to get some other things done. Are we closer, further away? Uh, Are we in one phone call away territory with the Canucks being able to get some stuff done ahead of the deadline tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, we're still in one uh, one phone call away territory. We're always in one phone call away territory. Yeah, we're never too far away from uh, one phone call away, right? So we're still there, I believe. Um, But the sense I got as of this afternoon, nothing is close. Mm. And whatever was really hot yesterday or last night. Right isn't quite there today now i don't know i can't sit here and say i don't want to i don't want to speak out of hand you know what i mean i don't want to sit here and, and try to give you try to give more detail than i know and act like oh they had this close all i know is as was reported last yeah. night and even the sense you got from people with the team is like hey let's we're really working on some stuff might be something else kind of coming let's see that same sense wasn't there today whatever that means but when i asked Everything, are you still open to everything? Like outside of, are you still open to everything? Yes, we're open to everything. Doesn't mean anything's going to happen, but they're still open to everything. And every indication is, despite not being close to anything, they're still working hard. So to your point, that proverbial phone call. <laughs> One phone call can change it all. And uh, all of a sudden get, uh, you know, uh, a trade that was maybe dead. Uh, or it could be a trade that is 
closer to happening, uh, but not right now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the sense I got as of this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, that means Thursday afternoon. Yes. Um, they weren't close to anything, but they're still working, obviously. They want to do a lot. Of, it's clear they want to do more and that mm-hmm. the Ronick deal is only part of the rest of their plan and the pieces of the puzzle that they're trying to put together. I just hope they're able to get something like that done by Friday because otherwise we're going to be sitting here debating and questioning and wondering what that other shoe is that needs to drop come the offseason given their situation cap-wise now. I mean, hey, you can be over the cap. It's fine. Like, and you, can, you have time to figure it out. If they don't figure some of it out by Friday, the questions will still be abound until we get to the offseason. So many questions. And uh, we're already getting, it's not a mailbag Friday, but we are getting a ton of questions to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox already on uh, a lot of these subjects. But um, it's T-minus a little under 20 hours now until the deadline officially yeah. hits tomorrow. And it, it's it's not one of those things where it's gone quiet because something's close. It's gone quiet because things have quieted down. Kind of. That's yeah. kind of the sense right now. And again, like all, all this can kind of change. So that's kind of the sense at, at the moment. And that's why I'm, I'm hoping they do kind of get somewhere trade-wise because if it's kind of gone quiet and it stays quiet, because players are going off the board, yeah. right? I, there, there are very few players left now when we get to the deadline and less than 20. Who's going to win the JVR sweepstakes, hey? Essentially. And we're at a point now where players with term are being discussed more because yeah. that's what's kind of available. Teams still looking to jockey for position and, and strengthen their teams and, and make roster decisions. That's still out there. But with term, it becomes a little bit more complicated, obviously, right? But that's just what I hope, Dan, that they're able to do another thing here. Yeah. Because otherwise, I think a lot of people are going to be unconvinced. They're going to be like, hey, hey, what, what? So you add it to the books now. Like, where are we going next season? Like, where, where's the flexibility coming from? That's going to be the question, no matter how confident you That might be, be or... the question, even if they don't, like, even if they do get something done. Well, I do. But I mean, if you, if you don't do anything that at least somewhat alleviates your financial picture next season yeah. to some degree, even if it's a, even if it's just minor thing, it opens up two million. You're like, okay, because right now, unless they're sure that Pullman and Pearson are starting next season on LTIR, and I can mm-hmm. give you a Pullman update later. But like, as far as you know, Pearson, we know that's still a very much ongoing situation that alleviates something. But you don't be living in LTIR. No, and you certainly don't want to be uh, planning to live in LTIR in March of the previous season <laughs> when you're looking ahead to. September and October for the next season. So, like, the the only teams that really do that are the ones that are at the top of the standings. Or, you know, there's more than that this year because of the flat cap and a lot yeah. of teams living in LTIR, but Canucks didn't have to live that way right now. Uh, they're choosing to with the moves that they've made and the cap that they've committed to for next year. So, I mean, again, I don't want to do the, I don't want to do too much of speculating on stuff, but the more you hear about players, the less likely it is, right? Yes. Like, I think the stuff around JT has been mostly smoke. Can we get to JT in a couple of minutes here, the whole... Oh, oh man, I got game. questions, bro. <laughs> I got questions, too. I got questions. I got questions, too. But we can get to that coming up in a second. But I don't think they were ever close on Brock. Yeah. And same with JT, they weren't close on. So what were they close on? And I think that's a question we're still trying to figure out. And I don't think it was Demko either. I keep looking around the league, and I look at values. Car... Uh, Mar- Mikael Granlin, two years, three years remaining on his contract, five million per season, thirty yeah. years old, not the fastest guy, not even that productive this season. Mm-hmm. But I guess he has some pedigree, has versatility, can play center if need be. You know, like so there's some versatility to his game, right? Like that Gar- Garland doesn't have. But I think when you look at Mikael Granlin as a player and Connor Garland as a player and contracts being similar, 
Yeah. Why wouldn't Garland have similar value to Granlund? I uh, I don't get it. Maybe he does. Granlund's 31 is well past you know his best years of performance. Yeah. And got a second round pick. So, and I'm not saying and this Garland I mean, in a down year is still close to being a 50 point player. Right. And okay, I'm not reporting any, anything here. All yeah. I'm trying to say is putting some pieces together, just looking at it. If you're confident you can move a contract, which contract do you think you're confident about moving out of the big ones? It's probably Garland, isn't yeah. it, based on what we've seen? So well, do they feel like in their back pocket, they can move Garland for a second somewhere? And it's like, hey, we're waiting to get the right deal. And that's the one we're going to do that's going to give us another $5 million in space. Because when I see Mikhail Granlin get traded, to me, that's not ridiculous. Yeah. When I see him go for a second, and we've seen Nino Niederreiter even get a second who has another year left on his deal. But now you're in a, a worse bargaining position, are you not? Because teams know Fair. they I mean, can do I'm, the math as much as everybody else can. Yeah, they can. But at the same time, I mean, if you bargain properly, you can say you have buyouts at your disposal. Yeah. You can talk about LTIR. You're yeah. like, hey, I don't need to do like, and Like technically, you have LTIR space, right? Technically, you can use a buyout. So it depends on how you use your bargaining position. But it's a very fair question, Dan. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a weird spot the Canucks find themselves in, and I don't like, you know, they've done this for far too long, you know, uh, spending money and, oh, we'll, we'll find cap space somewhere else, and, they, and then they never do. No, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree, but I'm just wondering, like, if you're making this move and if you feel this confident you can add salary, you must yeah. feel pretty confident you're moving salary one way or another. Like, if you're not, then you're taking a pretty big risk, mm-hmm. right? And. Based, hey, listen, uh, I know a lot of people have very little faith in management, right? Yeah. It seems illogical to me, though, for them to go and make that move if they're not sure they can find money somewhere. Yeah. Right? Like, it's it's a very, that, that would, well, that they would always be a, have the OEL buyout in their back pocket. But not even that. Like, assuming I th- ownership I th- would I th- I'm, be okay Yeah, with you're that. right. And maybe it is, but I'm assuming beyond that. There has to be something. Mm-hmm. If it's not, then like to me that, that that would be very an incompetent way of doing things. And I don't think they're incompetent. Like we can yeah, talk about. Yeah, it's not just irresponsible. It, it's it's yeah. incompetent to do it that way. Yeah, and I don't think that's how they're doing it. I would hope that's not how they're doing yeah. it. That's why I'm thinking that there's got to be something there that you can move it out for. And that's why I hope they do it by Friday, because otherwise we're going to be sitting here saying, did they just shoot themselves in the foot? And the question you're asking about. Do they have any leverage now? Is anybody going to bail yeah. them out? That's going to be the persistent theme around all this stuff. Uh, that should be interesting. Now, we do expect to talk to Alvin tomorrow on the yeah. show um, when we uh, get on air at 3 o'clock in a post-deadline conversation. And you can expect a lot of these to be at the top of the uh, at the forefront. For sure. And like if you look at other players, and I know Dex mentions this, Bavillier is a guy who's come in and played well. And this is a guy we discussed before. If I'm looking at two forwards based on the trade market who actually have value where we were kind of questioning it before, one would be Garland, who we just mentioned, and we yeah. did the comparison to Grandland. And the other one would be Bavillier, you compare him to Nino Niederreiter trade. I don't Similar see Bavillier in their eyes as a trade chip right now. I don't disagree. But I'm just saying, yeah. like, but I, you know what? I don't disagree, but I don't think they're looking at Bavillier and saying we're not trading him. Yeah, he's not a guy like we have to have, but depends on what you what you what you give them, right? Well, I almost feel like next year is now a big year because you have Pedersen and Hronik both needing raises beyond next season. Well, so would Bovillier, and so would Bovillier. So I mean, you're, I don't think you're heading into a position where you want to lose a guy for nothing who has value. Yeah. So you're either looking at extending Bovillier, but like, is like, even people who are like. Bavillier, right? And I get it. And there are fans that are saying, you know, when we mentioned, you know, he has trade value. He's like, why would you trade him? He's so good with Pedersen. Is there a world where it makes sense for you to end up paying a pretty good premium to keep Bavillier 
premium to pay Horonic and a premium to pay Pedersen all in the same year. Yeah. I don't know if you, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, look at their cap situation. I know cap might be going up, but does it make sense for them to pay all three of those guys and commit to them all, all three of them long term? Who's the most expendable out of, out of the three? It would be Bovillier. Right. So, to the point, the guys we're not talking about that may have more value that they may know in their back pocket they can move to me is either Bovillier or it would be Connor Garland. They've got to get some money off the wing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously. Like, that's, yeah. it, it is so obvious, clear as day to everyone. It's just when is it going to happen? And uh, this is what frustrates me is, you know, spending the money before you've moved out some of the other money. Like is is Ronick's was his market as soon as Detroit decided, you know what, we're going to be sellers this year. Look at the top of the Eastern Conference anyways. Like, what's the point? We're, we're just we're, we're trying to squeak in to just get buzzsawed by this Bruins team. No, thanks. Mm-hmm. Like, let's keep adding and we'll continue to build our army for future years. Smart move by Detroit. But. How many other teams were knocking down the door to buy Philip Peronic right now? That's a question I certainly have. Um, well, I mean, could you not like? And, and this is the other issue with. Okay, let's say he's your guy, and like mm-hmm. that's a, a a real priority for you. This is a guy you've really like. You target. I don't know if you're in a position where you need to like you know circle guys and target like that's the guy we got to have, and we got to pay this price for him to get him. When you know, because it always happens when summer comes and other teams are making their cap decisions, other guys will shake loose. For sure. I mean, so the only way this makes sense to me to, to do the Ronick deal now, there has to be two parts of the calculation, right? And, and again, this is just me, this yep. is the logic that we're talking about. Like to me, logically, how would it make sense? Because I'm with you. Like, why not wait? Let's see what happens. You have a pick that could be very valuable depending on how it all shakes out. Why not be patient to the point you were really making yesterday, right? So I totally get that. Unless two things. One, you feel like there was a market around Ronick. Mm-hmm. Like there were players out there that are trying to get Ronick that you felt like if we don't make this deal now, he's not going to be available and he's a guy we've identified that we want to keep, right? That we want to target. That could be one part of it. The other other part of it is something we've been discussing a lot. What's the trade market going to look like with a barren free agent market? Pasternak's off the board. Dylan Larkin's off the board. Mm -hmm. The rest of the Bruins guy's going to be off the board. Max Domi, who knows what happens after he got traded. But there are a lot of players that are off the board. Yeah. Could all of a sudden a player become more valuable in the trade market? Like, Would Hironik be more valuable in the summer than he is now? There is potential for that. And, and I'm not saying he will be, but I'm saying like that would have to be part of your calculation to me for you to think this move, move had to happen now. Because if you don't think those two things are true, yeah. then I don't understand, understand why you jumped the queue. But if anything, like the D market in free agency is a little bit more deep this year than some of the forwards. Kind of. Like you've got Klingberg, Dumba, Gavrikov, Gostaspair. Yeah, but I don't think... Any of those guys are Ronick. Like, Graves, Severson. As far as righties goes, I don't think any of them are him. Yeah. No, none of them are as good as Philip yeah. Ronick. But sure. I don't dis- disagree. Like To me, the only way you could justify getting ahead of it would be those reasons. I mean, not to mention, people would say, even if those were the reasons, why do you feel like you have to make that move now? And that's a greater conversation about your plan and your direction and whether you're even at a stage where you should be making these moves or not, which is a separate discussion about it. But in terms of why they did it, yeah, that would have to be it. Uh, Rafe, can you bury OEL in the minors? No, he's got a no move clause. Yeah, you can't. Can't do it. Uh, no move clause means you cannot send the player down. They are unmovable. You can either buy them out or keep them on the roster. That's uh, that's how it works. Or if they magically end up on LTIR. 
Uh, a lot of questions about JT Miller. Yeah, lots of questions about JT, and I totally understand. I mean, like, you know, we were joking about this before yeah. the show. You know how conspiracies get built? <laughs> because of a lot of circumstantial evidence that becomes somewhat overwhelming, right? So let's build out the timeline here. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Build it out. <laughs> build it out. And I'll get to my update, but build yes. out the timeline. So in terms of why why I don't fault people, we're going like, yeah, come on. <laughs> come on. What are we doing well, here? I don't... <laughs> This is, uh, I got questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, JT Miller, uh, injured Saturday, we think, uh, in, in the game against the Bruins. Monday doesn't make the trip to Dallas. Word gets out that he's not making the trip with the Canucks. People are starting to piece the puzzle together you know we're doing the dennis rodman thing mm-hmm. again like yeah. hey where are we going uh canucks and penguins are talking <laughs> trade it might be jt miller jt's not going to dallas it must be trade related reasons now canucks come out on monday and say jt's hurt week to week week to week yes week to week not just hurt like you know a couple of days like week to week yes week to week like oh he He's, he's, he's not in Dallas. Yeah. He's week to week. And I know he's played, and I mentioned this before, like, I know he's played through something this year. Yeah. Like, could that be the reason why he's week to week and you're trying to shut him down potentially because it looks like it's going to be more than a few days? Yeah. And then we get to uh, not a week, <laughs> three days. It's Thursday, and we find out, oh, yeah, JT's back. He, he practiced today. He's going to be in the lineup. And this is after a lot of speculation and rumors last yesterday about mm-hmm. Vancouver and Pittsburgh, and Vancouver and Pittsburgh perhaps having a deal close, and then them getting Grandland, and yep. then people saying what, that if a deal with Vancouver fall apart, and as soon as that all ends, the very next day, JT Miller's back in the lineup, right? <laughs> so, like, circumstantial <laughs> evidence, I see it. I mean, that, like, we're piling up circumstantial yeah. evidence, okay? This reminds me of, like, Netflix shows. It's like, you know how you watch, like, making a murder or whatever and they show the first person that guy's got to be it oh it's definitely it's definitely him guilty and it's like oh oh it actually wasn't because i guess it looked compelling but there's no direct evidence type of deal right and and who knows right it's lying season smokescreen season we were talking about this a couple of days ago yeah so what i've heard is that jt showed up today he decided to skate today and declared himself ready after skating (laughs) That's kind of what I so, heard. That he, he he declared himself. He, so what? JT just like went to the doctor. Like, no, I'm playing today. So what, I don't know if that's a good. I'm playing. It's like, fine. Essentially, like it was one of those things. They say the injuries, like whatever, like it's happened, it's gone. Like, it's kind of part part of management. How you're feeling? They, they decided to take a little bit of time, and he decided to skate today and, and felt like he's good to go. Th- that's the story. So it's it's more like one of those things. Uh, <laughs> Which you normally don't see when a team is as far out of the playoff chase as possible <laughs> as, as, you know, the Canucks are right now. Um, but, you know, one of those things like, oh, a player, uh, if if this was like a playoff type game or if they were in the thick of a playoff race, he could play. But if they're not, then what, kind of what's the point? But JT's just like, no, I'm playing. Essentially. I'm not sitting out. Th- that, that's, that's the official line. And listen. As far I mean, as I appreciate go, that to a certain extent. To some extent. But listen, like, like I said, I'm not going to be able to convince anybody. And honestly, yeah. I, I'm not confident enough in terms of everything people tell me this time of year to sit here and stand on the table and tell you for sure what happened or didn't happen. I can tell, like, all I'm trying to tell people is what I can hear and what I can provide. You make your own decisions on stuff. But I could just picture JT at. being like, oh, look at these cowards <laughs> telling me I'm out of the lineup for trade related reasons. I'm back in. Let's go. <laughs> Because you'd be like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this. Yeah. Or or maybe JT just said, you know what? I want to showcase myself. There's 24 <laughs> hours left. I'm going to go out and play a big game. Come calling. Yeah. I'm, I'm available. 
<laughs> We're going for it. Made a big trade yesterday. He wants Let's to play with Heronic. Let's make the push for the playoffs. He got excited. Uh, Heronic will not be in the lineup. I know we've seen some of those questions. Is he day to day or week to week? We're not sure. <laughs> Rick Tockett's not even sure when he's going to show up to Vancouver. Whatever he gets sometime the, this weekend. Whatever he gets to clear it as, take the opposite. Yes. If they say day to day is week to week, week to week, day to day. This is the first time a week to week injuries like been downgraded. Yes. Usually it gets upgraded for Vancouver injuries. Yeah. Four to six weeks. Now he's up for the rest of the season. <laughs> usually, Sorry. like day to day is usually the kiss of death. You hear day to day is like, oh, this guy's gone for weeks. How many maintenance days did Quinn Hughes have that turned into like three game absence? Yeah. Uh. So, uh, yes, uh, JT will be uh, in the lineup tonight. So Shana Goldman um, has done some really good reporting. Uh, you can, and I guess, asking, debate. I, before, people yeah. asking about medical stuff. It, players always get cleared, you know, yes. but it comes down to, honestly, like, when it comes down to a player saying how he feels, if it's like a muscle injury or something, it comes down to how a player feels. If he feels he's good and he's moving good, I mean, doctor can't force him to sit out. So, I mean, one thing to make clear, people say yeah. medical staff always checks over a player before he gets cleared, and the player has to also give his okay. That always happens, FYI. Uh, kidding aside, yes. Uh, yes. But essentially, Skated today said he felt good and wanted to play and got cleared. That's what happened. That's so, the official storyline. Uh, that's the official storyline. That's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, Chana Goldman has done a lot of good reporting during uh, deadline season. Uh, you can debate whether or not she's missed on some of these uh, Canucks things, but uh, she did say the Canucks were working on something big, and turns out they were when they acquired Philip Hronick. Um Earlier today, and we've seen some questions about this, does acquiring former first-round picks ease the pain of moving their own out? That seems to be the line of thinking in Vancouver. There's another young forward, former high first-rounder on their radar. Deal hasn't materialized yet, so we'll see if it goes anywhere. That's interesting. You've said the Canucks are still working on some things. What do like? What else could happen here before the deadline? Is there another chronic type move? Not just like relieving cap space type mm. move, but is there another chronic type acquisition coming for the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me um, because if it falls in line with what they're targeting, yeah. And they've been very clear with what they're targeting. The question I have is, how are you acquiring that? Now that you've spent another big asset. Right now, the Canucks are in line to not have a second round pick this year and next season. Which would mean the Canucks have made one pick in the second round in five consecutive drafts. Yeah. In five drafts, they would have one selection made, which was Danila Klimovich, if they don't get another second round pick back the next couple of years. For a team that's made the playoffs once in those five years yes. in the bubble... It's not great, right? So It's a lot of top 40 picks you're giving up, right? They've given up a lot, right? So I don't know how you're acquiring that with the assets the Canucks have right now mm -hmm. unless you're actually moving one of your prospects. Mm -hmm. Could that be in play? But how are you acquiring somebody without moving money out? So as much as, yes, that's inter interesting, if it's somebody that actually is getting paid, people are, you know, Gerp was asking, what about Florida? Dollywell mentioned there's a link. There's been talks about Florida. When I look at Florida's roster, I wonder, what are you sending out? before yeah. taking somebody on. So is there a 3D thing here, again, where you're making another move, which opens up another move? Because mm -hmm. that's been their MO. Because, like, it's been the uh, the Dickinson trade, which led to the Bear trade, opened yep. up space for that. And then we saw the Horvat trade, which led to the Horonic trade. Last year, we saw the Canucks trade Hamannick, which opened up the Dermot trade. Mm -hmm. So do they need to make two moves here to make the move they want to make? Pretty much. 
Like you got to move out Besser and Garland to to bring else somebody else in. Can't just keep adding money to next year. Um, so clearly this team is looking to do more and looking to add more, and they need to add more if they think they're going to be good next year. Mm-hmm. They've got to keep adding. Uh, more still to come. Uh, Cheech is going to join us. John Garrett. We'll get his take on the chicken Big Mac, and uh, of course Philip Ronick. Yes. Right. Yes. Heronic. Okay. We'll talk about it. Her- is it Heronic? Heronic. I think okay. so. It's now Heronic. As, as I think it, you're swallowing the H. <laughs> I'm swallowing the H. As the guy who's, uh, you know, the president of the uh, Pronounce It Correctly fan club, <laughs> I should be saying it properly. And I've said Heronic, and today I've, I guess I've gotten lazy, and I've just said Heronic. No. Heronic. 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 It's going to be tough. Uh, you might be overthinking it here. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, all right. John Garrett's coming up. Cheech is next on Canuck Central. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canucks Central in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, Supported by over 15, no, no, scratch it. It's now 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Still to come. Uh, We're going to talk to Chris Faber in hour number two. Also, um, Pasta signed a big deal today. Big, big contract. uh, Eight years 90 million dollars with the Boston Bruins. So uh could be a comp for Elias mm-hmm. Patterson. We'll talk about that coming up in uh just a little bit. Do you hear that McDonald's is bringing in a chicken Big Mac to Canada? So why why was it so hard to make a chicken Big Mac? <laughs> I saw like the promotion of it. It's like they've been hard at work in the lab trying to figure out how to make a chicken Big Mac. It's like, All they're doing is putting McChicken patties in the Big Mac. I don't know. You slide the beef patty out, put a chicken one in. How hard is it? Is it a McChicken patty? I or think is so. it the junior chicken patty? Oh, well, the junior yeah. chicken patty's good. Those are two different things. Well, you know what? If you want to do two, you probably should do the junior chicken one to be thinner. Mm, Otherwise, right. it gets too big. Um, so yeah. that's, you know what? A lot of deliberation. A lot of deliberation. <laughs> Junior chicken patties or actually chicken mc- chicken patties. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but uh, I'm excited. I, like, I'll, I'll give it a try. Why not? Uh, we'll, we'll give it a try. So um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot that uh, we still need to dissect with this trade set. And one of the big things... Is like, how does this all work? So, so how do they get good mm-hmm. by next season? Well, because <laughs> they're they're clearly not good right now. Okay, they're twenty so- seventh in the league. The only other team in the you know twenty and lower is Ottawa. That's traded a first round pick like the Canucks have. Mm-hmm. Now Canucks do have their own pick yes. this year's draft, right? And that's what they'll they'll tell you that there's something there. Which the cynic would say. Another pick they can trade. <laughs> you know, that, that's what a cynic would say in terms of having uh, your own first-round pick still, still available. But I, I do think when you look at them making the Hronik deal now and if they can move some more salary out, 
I think they're going to try to make the team better for next year. It's not going to be about, hey, let's see what happens next year. I think it's very much about trying to be competitive. Well, they've got two dominant players. Uh, they looks like they've got their goalie back. Can they put enough pieces around them? That's, uh, that's now the question. As uh, we can tell from the reaction of the fan base, uh, there's a lot of skepticism on whether or not they will be able to. Let's bring in our next guest. He is the legend. It's John Garrett. You hear him on uh, the color analyst alongside John Shorthouse on your Canucks broadcast, and he joins us here every Thursday. What's happening, Cheech? Not much. Not much. Uh, they will try and make the team better next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, what kind of statement is that? Oh, we're going to make it worse. We're going we're gonna to sell tickets this summer and we'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to make it, it worse. But, it, Cheech, that's now, what Josh fans... has got the volume. I'm, I'm actually in your studio. You sound great. You sound great. You yeah, sound so I know. Clear. It's not like my phone. It's not like my <laughs> Roger's phone. But, but, and... Cheech, but that's what fans fans are saying. The Canucks should try to be bad next year, too. That's what <laughs> they're saying. And oh, that, yeah. It's, yeah. It's okay, called... here. But... Let's, here's the sale pitch. I want to be the head salesman <laughs> for the Canucks this summer. Oh, yeah, we're going to make the team worse. Here's a season ticket package. Oh, buy a 10-pack. Yeah, okay, we're going to make the team worse. Yeah, oh, come on. So you like the trade, then? I do. I do, because you've got a known commodity. Mm-hmm. You've got a guy that's established himself and knows what the league's like. Uh, the st- First three months of the season, he was really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I like him. Right-hand defenseman can really shoot. Yeah. Got a great shot. It's, um, you know, like we're always going to have the big picture versus short-term conversations in this market, well, it and, seems like, until they, uh, until they start winning. Yeah, that's it. And every everybody's got all these first-round trades protected, top 10 protected, top mm-hmm. 10 protected. And I read someplace the other day, and I f- forget where, but uh, – 2.4% of anybody drafted after 24th. I mean, that's the first round. After 24th, 2.4% of all those other players play more than 100 games in the NHL. So, it, I mean, oh, yeah, let's, well, that fourth pick that we gave up, uh, that late round second pick that's 50th. Oh, yeah, that's probably going to work out. I mean, it, come on. I love it, but you know you what? I don't know in commodity. No, you know what? And 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 honestly, Cheech, I mean, this, this, we're at a point now where fans want the rebuild so badly, right? They want the draft pick so badly that there's like legitimately us saying that yeah, they're trying to be competitive next year is is a controversial take. Like that, that's how kind of the sentiment is around the team. But it's very evident they're trying to accelerate this to to some degree right because they look at Demko over three more years and we heard Quinn Hughes today saying I don't want to be part of a rebuild we feel like we're close it seems organizationally they don't feel like they're that far away if they make the right moves and the players as long as the players still believe and I think that's the thing and you look at Dallas that draft that they had the year they got uh, Robertson Ettinger and uh, who was the other guy there's three of them he's uh, gonna yeah and it, it turned the franchise around you know, you get lucky. And uh, if you've got goaltending first, and uh, I was listening to uh, Ken Priestley on the way in on Sportsnet 650. I'll give you a shameless plug. And uh, he was talking about how many guys you need as a core. And he's a two-time Stanley Cup winner, and he hang around Pittsburgh all those years, and Buffalo when they were good. And he said it, it really, there's no specific number that you build around but to me it's always you have to have a stud defenseman who can play a lot and that's Quinn uh, and you say well, well maybe you know he's great offensive defenseman but he's he's plus 12 on this team yeah 
He's he's controlling the game when he's on the ice. You've got your goalie, who you hope will, and he looked really good in Dallas. If he's back, then you got your goalie, and then you need your star centerman, and you've got that in Elias. So you've got to me those three things, and naturally you have to have a winger to play with Elias, and that could be Kuzmenko if he can keep going like he's going, and then you need a second line a pair, a duo on the second line, and you hope JT and somebody will be on your second line. So you improve that, and then uh, if Ronick works out, so you, then you've got somebody to play with Quinn, and then you need another pair of defensemen. Uh, I think the defense is going to be where they're going to be lacking, but hopefully they'll be able to pick up somebody else and uh, improve their defense. Well, in terms of you know how the team is going to get built out, we were talking about this yesterday on the show. There was a lot of discussion around maybe you put Hironic and Quinn Hughes together. And yeah, I mean, that could be a really good deep pair. But in terms of having puck-moving players on, on separate lines, isn't it easier for you to solve the equation by trying to find a steady left-hand defenseman who can play with Hironic and then finding, you know, whether it's Bear or somebody else who can be steady right-hand defenseman instead of trying to find two other top, you know, four shutdown D-men? Like, isn't that maybe the easier way to go about trying to build it out? Well, it's hard to find defensemen of any ilk. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that uh, you worry about your mix and match when you come to camp next year. And I think that's the thing that uh, the Canucks will... Uh, it's an audition time between now and the end of the season and then during the summer and then next spring or next fall when you start training camp, that's when you say, well, okay, here's the pairs we're going to have and away we go. It's um, it's probably the biggest thing that they have to figure out because, as we know, they've been able to score this year. It's just keeping the puck out of their own net. A healthy Thatcher Demko probably helps that quite a bit, but... Um, finding defensemen has been very difficult. Some of the guys that they've targeted, you know, OEL hasn't fit in all that well. You think about uh, Good Branson before him. It's it really like a lot of this does hinge on Heronic being really good, and he has been this year for Detroit. And now figuring out the rest of that is going to be huge. And also, can they find some defensemen that know how to penalty kill? Because I think that's been a big issue as well yeah. for this team, Chief. Well, you you look at how Thatcher played in Dallas and he was really really good uh, the one goal the Hintz goal that he'd like that one back but that was just a rusty timing goal but he was really good and still let in four goals they had five breakaways in the first what 28 minutes yeah uh, and like you say that's team defense and and not just the defenseman that's team defense they had a couple of uh, bank pass breakaways and long you know Hail Mary touchdown pass aerials that worked for breakaways. And uh, that's partly defense defense, but that's partly forwards defense too, that you're not in the right position and you're letting them do that. And uh, I think they're working on things like that. So you can cover up some of your defensive mistakes at the back end if your forwards are playing a good defensive structure. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we only have a relatively small sample so far with Rick Tockett, but has any defenseman stood out to you in terms of improving under Tockett so far? We know, I mean, not Quinn, because we know Quinn's himself, and he's always been good, but has anybody impressed you under Tockett? Has Baird looked better? Is anybody you're looking at and saying, okay, this guy has, is showing me something? Yeah, I, I think Ethan's been better, and I think when you play Christian Willannon and Kyle Burroughs together, and you're not talking about them after the game. 
I think that's good. That's good news. And if they play 12 to 14 minutes a game, so be it. But as long as you're not talking about them at the end of the game, and especially in a road game where you can't get the matchups you want all the time, uh, I thought both of them played pretty well. And uh, I think Christian Willannon is a, is a guy that possibly could be on the squad next year as a fifth, sixth guy. So Hughes' season has been uh, incredible. And, and I think um, sometimes it gets overlooked a little bit because of how poor the team has been defensively overall. And, you know, he's looked at as an offensive defenseman. But you mentioned he's plus 12. Uh, if you look at just five on five, he's actually plus 19, which is kind of crazy on this team. And he could be the fastest defenseman ever to 200 assists, beating out Brian Leach if he's able to do it over the next three games, get a pair of assists over the next three games. Um, yeah. I, like your, I like your stats there, Dan, but uh, did you see that shorthanded goal the other night? <laughs> <laughs> okay, who was that? Yeah. Uh, and, oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, five on five. So all those shorthanded goals, you know, you have to take some responsibility for that. And that was Elias and Quinn Yes. on that shorthanded goal. They're just trying to do too much, and uh, he's been guilty of that a few times on the power play uh, where five on five, okay. very so, good. But all then, right, let, let's okay. go. A few more a few more stats then, Cheech. <laughs> let's, let's go. go. More Bring stats. stats. <laughs> more stats. I want more I'm stats. You know I love stats. See, okay. Cheech, you can't blame me for being the stats guy Sport anymore. logic. Let's all, go. Come all, on. All, like, all situations on the ice, um, you know, five on five, four on five, five on four, whatever it is, Canucks with Hughes on the ice as a team have 107 goals for, 73 against. Without Hughes on the ice, 94 goals for, and 165 against. Yes. It, I okay, mean, uh, the, give me another stat. Give me his puck possession time <laughs> when he's on the ice. My, my point give is, that, and then like, give they, me they've got one defenseman, defenseman that can control That's play it. on the ice. That's, That's it. it. You, you've got the one-star defenseman. Didn't I say that? Yeah. Cam, didn't I say that at the yep, start yeah. of this? Oh, Cam doesn't hear. No, he's, yeah. he's in the booth here just pretending like he's working. She's just like, my eye test he, told you this already. He's got his laptop open. He's looking at old cars or something. And here I am. Well, whatever defensive issues he does have, and, and look, Sat and I talk about it all the time. Like, there's still things he Ooh, can improve Quinn at. you're talking about now? Yeah. He can still improve, like, some things defensively in his game. But he's always going to wildly outscore his opponents. Like that's that's well, who he is as a defenseman. Five on five, and you get back to your five on five stat. Now he concentrates more on defense five on five. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that uh, when he is on the power play and he's trying to create so much, and he 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 tends to uh, disregard the what ifs. What if this pass doesn't work? What if? And he, five on five, he does that. But on the power play, he seems to. Every now and then, like they did in Dallas, he and Elias were going to try that little gain the zone and with nobody behind us, we're going to do the double give and go and then it's going the other way and in the net. Now, Cheech, as far as the netminder is concerned, Thatcher Demko came back and not only did he make his return, he looked spectacular against the Dallas Stars. Uh, what, what do you make of his form after one game? Is it, is it adrenaline or is he kind of locked in? He talked about how he used the time like the bubble to really hone in on his game and, and be ready. Does he look ready or can you just kind of have a lot of adrenaline in your first game back? Yeah, I, I think he looked really good and... Uh, with the penalties they took, he didn't look tired at all. He looked like, and I thought in the third period we might see uh, what they have, 30-something shots after two periods. And uh, I thought, okay, he might be tired in the third period, but he was just as good or better in the third. And he just looks like a goalie. You, you, 
the game starts and his feet are steady and he's square and his shoulders are up and uh, he's handling the puck with confidence and uh, the defense know where he's going to put the puck. Uh, he looked really good and I'm hoping that he's looking at this as, okay, that's game one. I'm 1-0. Forget about the first 15 this season. He had three months off and this is like Rick Tockett talks about training camp. This is like a training camp for him. Okay, you're starting. I'm I've won a game on the road. I'm 1-0, and uh, we'll just finish this season strong. Um, I think for all three of those, you know, those building blocks that we've talked about, Demko, Hughes, and, and Pedersen, um, part of, you know, making a big move like the Canucks made yesterday, Cheech, is to show those guys we're committed to winning as soon as possible here. Well, that's it. I, and you talked about Quinn saying he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. Yeah. And that's a move that says, okay, we don't want to be in a full rebuild mode either. We want to improve, and we want to show you that we are headed in the right direction. And I think that's one of the things that at JT and, and Quinn and Elias, and especially Elias with his contract uh, coming up, you'd want to show him that, yes, you want to play in Vancouver. This is your team. This is your home now. We're going to show you that we want you to be part of that and we're building in the right direction. They're going to need some of these young guys to, to take a step, and I've, I've liked a lot of Pod Colson's game, um, especially since he got the call-up, but the offense just hasn't been there. He scored against Dallas. Do you, do you see more offense in Pod Colson's game coming somewhere down the line? Well, he could be. I don't know whether, I don't know whether he has uh, the consistency or the hockey smarts to become a power forward. Because you see him drive to the net, and that's when he's most effective. And uh, the goal the other night, what a great shot that was, beautiful pass, and he looked confident, just snapped it. But when he's at his best, he's going wide on the defenseman, leans his shoulder in, he's strong enough to do it, and drives to the net. And uh, I think if he can become more consistent doing that, then he can uh, be in the top six. But if he doesn't, then... He's going to have to change his game. If he's going to end up on the bottom two lines, he's going to have to just be, okay, I'll be great on the boards and I'll get the puck out and I won't make any mistakes, but he won't get more than 10 to 15 goals. Uh, before we let you go, Cheech, I wanted to ask about JT. Draws back into the lineup tonight, declares himself ready to go. His team said week to week. Now he's back after a couple of days. What, what do you expect to see from JT? And a bit surprised he's back in tonight? Yeah. Not really, not really. Uh, that one off to Dallas, how did you like that schedule? I, I wasn't crazy about it. Uh, four and a half hour flight there, four and a half hour flight back. Do you think he's a basketball, so you're a saying basketball made a, player? You're saying JT made a travel decision? No, I don't think JT. I think the team yeah. probably said, and he probably had some little nagging injury. Yeah. And the team said, well, okay, we'll look at somebody else. And you just stay, and we'll see you on Thursday. So you don't think it's like uh, the rest of Canucks Twitter and it was all trade-related reasons and uh, something fell through? I guess not, huh? No. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Flat no. <laughs> guess what today in history is? What's that? Canuck history. Come on, you do all. Dan, you are on your computer all the time. <laughs> Cam, you're on your computer all the time. Josh, uh, Josh is sitting here. He's just he's not on his computer. He's just making sure that my headset's too loud. Yep. Come on. This day in Canucks There's history. a goal, NHL goalie to play the most games with only one shutout. 
There's another historical thing. Ooh. Okay. I'm, just I, 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 I'm whiffing on this one. Is it Luongo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us, Cheech. We don't know. Uh, come on. <laughs> hey, who are you talking to here? Messi who would ki- bring uh, this up unless Mark- it was about me? For oh, about sake. you. I thought it was Mark Jeez. Messier. I know Mark Messier uh, got, got a seven- one shutout. And you're, you guys can't even say, oh, hey, Cheech, this is the day that you had your shutout. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah one shutout. <laughs> I'm sorry. We don't commemorate uh, the yeah, year. Yeah, thanks. 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 Like, if I was on with Bick, I bet Bick would have it. Yeah, his spreadsheet. He's got birthday spreadsheets, yeah, so I'm sure yeah, he would. Yeah, he probably is. <laughs> uh, I should have waited until game. Is Bick on with you, Sat, at game? Yeah, he is. That's You can get better answers there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's Dan. It's Dan's fault then. I, I'm just I'm I'm just buried in too many Quinn Hughes stats here. Chief. I, I looked it up today in hockey history. March second, uh, Messier became the fourth player in NHL history to score 1,700 points. Uh, uh, who cares? The goal during a crush three-one win. Who cares? Yeah, it's okay. Who cares? Come on, keep going. March second. March second. There we go. Got John Garrett got a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. His one and only shutout. It had played the most games in the NHL with one and only shutout. <laughs> you got a record, man. You're in the history books. There you go. Tiger Williams came out, cut down part of the net for me as a souvenir in Winnipeg. It's like you they weren't f- too happy. The <laughs> rink attendants weren't too happy that they had a big hole in the net. But, hey, that was Tiger Williams at his best. That was your version of winning the Final Four? Oh, not really. But it was nice <laughs> to get a shutout. And uh, it was right after Barry, my friend Barry Long got fired. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom Watt took over, and I, I, I'm not a big Tom Watt fan, and uh, but I was Barry Long, and I are good friends. We played in the World Championship together, so I, w- I was kind of glad that we beat Winnipeg in Winnipeg when Tom had just taken over. Uh, you made uh, 31 saves that night. Uh, uh, Brian Mullen had seven shots. Yeah, you were stonewalling them all night. I was. I had Brian's number in that one. That's no <laughs> doubt about that. Thomas Gradine, a pair of goals. Big 3 nothing win, March 2nd, 1983, at Winnipeg Arena. At the Winnipeg Arena, the Queen was looking down on me. <laughs> you remember the big picture of the Queen at the end of the Winnipeg Arena? Man, there was a few you power plays that, in you this. You guys uh... aren't that old. We used to angle the sticks, and the guys would be firing them up, trying to deflect them in to see if they could hit the picture of the Queen. But it was <laughs> so much for long live the Queen. I, I'm looking at this box score, and it looks like Tiger Williams and Paul McLean were really getting into it in the first period. Oh. <laughs> Paul was tough. Yeah. Surprisingly, because uh, Paul got a lot of goals, and yeah. uh, yet he could he could go. <laughs> Uh, Cheech, you're the best. Thanks for this. Yeah, well, thank you, guys. And uh, anything else? You won't have to worry about my next shutout coming up the next time I'm on. <laughs> so it's once a that year. That was it. March that 2nd. It. March 2nd every year. It's, oh, uh, March 2nd every Cheech year. Cheech shutout. Okay. Beware the Ides of March. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I do have one last question. Are you going to try the chicken Big Mac? They're, they're rolling it out next week. The chicken Big Mac. I tried the Big Mac sauce the other day for dipping the fries, and it's kind of tasteless. It doesn't have that (laughs) good Big Mac flavor that I was hoping for. (laughs) I bought a couple of Big Mac sauce things, and it was disappointing. Mm, I'd just go with the mayonnaise and ketchup. That's unfortunate. Uh, Thanks for this. Okay. (laughs) Always a pleasure. There he is. The best in the business. The legend, John Garrett. Yeah, had an official soundtrack in the back, too. Being at the rink. Um, <laughs> just the best. <laughs> so we do have uh, the framework of the Max Domi deal that has now come down. Uh, Frank Saravalli has the framework of the deal. As uh, can we go to Ben for the trade desk? I can do it. Let's yeah. do it. 
Frank uh, Saravalli. Yep. Reporting to Dallas will be Max Domi and Golan Dylan, goalie Dylan Wells. Mm-hmm. And to Chicago will be a second round pick along with Anton. Is it Kudobin or Hudobin? Hudobin. Hudobin. Yeah. Anton Hudobin. We are not going home. Home. Uh, Anton Hudobin. No salary retained. Uh, no salary retained in this one. So Max Domi. Framework of the deal, it's uh, been in the works, I guess, for the uh, last couple of hours, but we're starting to get more of those details uh, here with Ben Bastron on the Trade Desk today. The Trade Desk is brought to you by Jags Furniture and Mattress, the Lower Mainland's favorite furniture and mattress destination. Visit Jags showrooms in Langley and Abbotsford or online at jagsfurniture.ca. Uh, ben, much better on the trade desk than Dom was earlier today. We appreciate that. Uh, it is Canucks <laughs> Central on Sportsnet 650.